Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, brother John. How are you? Doing real good. Tip-top shape here. Ready to rock. Let's make it happen. All right. Well, for those who just joined us have never heard the show before, we are The Bro Show. We are brothers, actual brothers. My name is Jerry. And my name is John. And today, as most Saturday mornings, we're going to talk about in fact, all Saturday mornings, let's face it. We're going to yeah. talk about four things. Four things. The first thing uh, we're going to talk about is what, John? Oh, the a whale first thing story. we're going to – we got the old whale story that we do. We, we do a story of an animal. Yes, and, we do. Uh, and this it's the season of the whales, so we're going to talk about whales. We have a six-month season, so that's how we roll. Mm. Then we have a yes. word, a word that we've run into while researching during the week. And then we have two takes. That's our main topic. Sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we just honestly have two different views of an event or a news story or something along those lines. And lastly, we have what, John? We have groaners. Two of them. Two of them. These are yeah, bad jokes. Bad jokes. Bad jokes. Bad jokes. Take your pick. Maybe both. All right. So that's it. Oh. Hey, you know, and, uh, hey, you know, uh, we usually like to comment on what we're wearing, particularly at yeah. the top, because that's a T-shirt that is a, especially near and dear to us as we look yeah. back on our, on the Bro Show history. So yeah. what are you wearing? Yeah. T-shirt-wise, I'm wearing an oldie but a goodie, the first color Bro Show T-shirt. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a fine girl The fish bump one? Yeah. Oh, good, yeah. good, good, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, not the first one. Those... The first one was Yeah, I know color. the black and white one. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, those can be real soft. They feel good. Ooh. Well broken in. Well broken in. Yeah, that's a good t-shirt. Well, I'm, I like I'm that wearing the uh, Season of the Lizard. Oh, oh, oh that last smiling, week. wonderful animal, that reptile, that horn-type lizard that we talked mm. so much about. Mm. So good to see in the morning. It is. He's he's you know he's up. He's he's ready, raring to go. He's got a hawk yeah. flying above him, ready to eat him. So yeah, there he. I don't is. know what a, what a hawk what a hawk munch on a horned lizard. That must go down badly. You know those horns. Yeah, are sharp. Ugh. I don't think. So. You know I think I we, think I think we got a I think we got a sponsor too, don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we do. do. We got whales. a sponsor. We we we're, we're hanging with the whales. You know during the season of the whales and. So our sponsor is Save the Whales. Save the yeah. Whales is a nonprofit organization out of California, organized in 1977 uh, by uh, the Maris team, the uh, the Sidden the Stackers, and uh, a lady who decided that she felt the need to help whales and started selling something near and dear to our hearts, T-shirts. And But the whole thing grew to the point that she's got a variety of revenue streams now. And she primarily, uh, this nonprofit, Save the Whales, is is into educating children about the importance of whales to the world. And mm. the mission arises when the need is there. They are able to uh, bring together resources so that they can take on special projects uh, when they see some gross injustice done, primarily in the Pacific Ocean, et cetera. 
So mm. that is our, and maybe you can comment about some of the wonderful products or particularly t-shirts that you could get oh. from this organization. They have a variety of t-shirts. I have one. And, uh, yes. it's, it's a dandy. I have a long sleeve and, uh, they're really cool. They're different. You'll get noticed. They're not like outrageous, like crazy different. They're cool different. And there's a bunch of them. You have your choice. We got a link in the show notes to where you can buy a t-shirt or you can just donate to the organization. They take straight donations too. And their work is good. Education, saving whales. Can't beat that stuff. They're sentient beings for goodness sakes. Let's yeah. not eat them. Hey, Let's not eat them. You know, I'm looking at the T-shirt, the Save the Whales here. That yeah. has a, t- a whale kind of diving in, and as a result, you only see the whale tail. Uh-oh. And that just happens to segue Uh-oh. into our story, our whale story. We're trying to keep it a little bit lighter. I mean, we sometimes take the deep dive into the various types of whales, etc. But we're going to talk today about a, a slang term called whale tails and uh you know mm. I, we got to keep it up we got to keep it above uh, the belt which actually is pretty easy to do with <laughs> yeah <laughs> the jeans are so low yeah everything's above the belt yeah so uh, i guess perhaps you could give us a little clue as to what we talk about when somebody says well that uh, they see whale tail they see a whale tail what might that be? Yeah, yeah. They're not <laughs> referring to they're not referring to a whale's tail, actually. No, they're not they're referring part to the anatomy. That, no. No. There 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 is related to a tail, but not the one you might think. Uh what happens here is that well, this is the soft porn part of the show, I guess. Well yeah. there used to be this there used to be this thing back in the early two thousands where uh ladies and I, I don't know of any men who did, but ladies were wearing low-rise jeans, right? That's when that started. Right. And then also at that time, thongs became very popular. Uh, right. Or G-strings, we used to call them when we were kids. They were very right. skimpy underwear that basically, you know, just went between the buttocks and up and then across the waist. So if right. your yeah if your uh, underwear is waist high and it basically disappears down the crack of your ass, then what happens is that is actually the same shape as a whale tail, believe it yeah. or not. And then if you have the low rise jeans, then the waist high thongs are going to be above the waist of the jeans. Thus, you are displaying your whale tail. That's what you a whale tail it. is. It went on for almost a decade, and then it died out. It's making a comeback, and and uh, right about now, uh, in certain select areas. But the other thing, there are a couple other things that went along with it. One of them, in addition to the low-rise jeans that enabled it to happen, tramp stamps became very popular, which was some sort of tattoo that would appear. In the small of the back, down low. Oh, yeah, and it goes right below the whale, right, uh, right underneath the whale tail. So those mm. were there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is the yeah. story of the whale tail. Tail. Yeah. So we're just kind of keeping it a little bit lighter this week, and I just want to uh, caution our producer. 
to be very selective with respect to the photobomb portion of the pictures as you perhaps display uh, the whale story for the for this week. Just a word of I'm caution. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it clean, bro. <laughs> good idea. Keeping it clean. So yeah, oh, it, boy. I think it is a good idea. There, there was a Britney Spears whale tail that was not a whale tail. It was, it was a whale. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, there was yeah, there were there were like a lot of school districts had to pass. Uh, regulations and stuff like that to keep this stuff under control. It was not just the ladies either. The guys would wear these saggy baggy uh, blue jeans and their underwear would be like completely showing. It was ridiculous. It was, you know, what the hell, you know, and that, that coincided with all this stuff too. So, yep. Yeah. Saggy well, you know, what, as you mentioned, this was something that was real big in the early twenties, kind of faded uh, as we got the end of the first decade of the what? What? Wait a minute! Decade. I got a question. What's what's something like that called where it goes out of fashion? Well, no you know what? That segues into our word <laughs> anachronism. Anachronism, ah. and we're going to get anachronisms on both the whale tail and also our two takes. So that's something or someone that is not in its correct historical or chronological time, especially a thing or person that belongs to an earlier time. So that's, that's right. what we think about as we take a look at the at the whale tail. And I think the example that is given here, the sword, is an anachronism in modern warfare. Oh, uh, well, so is a yeah. cassette tape. Cassette tapes. Yeah, those would be a good, right. a good example. Eight tracks, yeah. cassettes, you yeah. name it. I mean, yeah. uh, 45 records if you get old, yep. if you're old like me. Vinyl. It would be an anachronism. But vinyl is, you know, it was an anachronism, but it's making its way back a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. All good. Some recording so, artists have every one of their albums done in vinyl also, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, it's become a whole thing. So, you know, that also leads us into taking a look at our two takes. Uh, the United Nations, which has been also was it's been cited in the quite news. often in, as the a, news. in the news as an anachronism. And this finds its way into the headlines. When something like the Ukraine uh, war crisis or whatever we want to call it at this point uh, takes place. And sure enough, somebody says, where's the U.N. when we need them? And uh, mm. so I thought what we'd do is take a look. I actually got caught up with this topic by reading a something called the irrelevance of the United Nations, an article. You know, this is a this is a good time to take pot shots at the U.N. because you just realize how what little that they can do. And somebody says, well, why don't they get off their ass and do something? And we're going to talk a little bit about what they can do and what they can't. And I think it's important to put a historical perspective on it and understand I do, I do too. I the, do too. The, the, the functionality, <clears throat> excuse me, the way it works. And so what we have is we have an organization that's an outgrowth of the of World War II, you know, trying to figure a way that we can keep these wars from happening again. So all the victors. The winners of the war are the ones who basically control the shots, obviously, and those happen to be Russia, uh, France, uh, United States, uh, England, and Great Britain. And then also uh, China fits into the equation in kind of an interesting way. So you got to have somebody from Asia because we got to, you know, have somebody to be ready to, punt, you know, because Japan was a loser. So what right, we have is right. we have the United Nations. Now the United Nations is set up with the various agencies, and I think 
a, if you understand the agencies, it helps you understand why what can be done and what cannot be done. The one we're going to talk about first is the General Assembly, which is yeah. responsible for this is of the, the the main one that is represented by all the countries, which by the way have gone from a, about 50 countries in the mid 40s all the way to 193 as we speak. Yeah. And what the General Assembly can do is they're responsible for uh, appointing the members of the Security Council, the non-permanent ones. They appoint the Secretary General. They receive reports from the other UK systems. And they, the thing that we hear about the most, though, is making recommendations. Now, what's important about them making res- recommendations through resolutions is that this is really the good news is everybody's got a vote. So you got 193 votes when you put a resolution up there. So, um, and, and they can also, based upon recommendations of the Security Council, can expel members, which, by the way, I don't think they've <laughs> ever done. But they, they have never done. I looked into it. it. Never have. So some things are done by a simple majority. Some things are done by a supermajority. But I yeah. think what we've got coming out of here is the fact that the General Assembly made a resolution saying that the Ukraine war, that the Russians should stop fighting, stop the war. Yep. Now, where does that go? It goes nowhere because it is a resolution why, that's why non-binding. Not? Oh, it's a resolution. Well, yeah, it, it's it's a re- it's only a resolution. The other thing is though, so what it basically is, if I take an opinion poll, and it's nice to have the collective body, all the, the the countries chiming in with equal representation, and even at that with this, it was only I think about 150 out of 193 countries voted for this resolution. That's and right. so as a result, a lot of those were abstentions. They weren't, no, they weren't nays. The other thing that came out of it was that they expelled the the Russians from the Human uh, Rights Council, which is a part that, of the U.S. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that you can really expel anyone from without yeah, using the, it, the Security Council. Yeah, the Security Council, we're going to find out, is an important part of this. Now, they so that was another one that they came up with, which was a little, a little more forceful. So that's the first one, the General Assembly. The Security Council is a, is yeah. a, considered to be, when it was originally organized, the critical component of the United Nations because they are given the charge to maintain peace and security among the countries. So while all the other uh, agencies we will we'll talk about and have talked can only make recommendations, the Security Council is the one they can – can basically put the boots on the ground, uh, can get the peacekeeping force out there uh, yeah. and, and, and help in terms of maintaining or creating peace. The, yeah, the, this they, council they make can, binding resolutions, isn't that what they're They called? can make binding ones. Now, the thing is, though, that the resolutions, they have 15 members. Of the 15 members, 10 of them are, are, are temporary members that are uh, serve it through uh, a terms, two-year two terms. Yeah. And then you've got the five permanent members. And I think the most interesting thing I've mentioned them already, France, Russia, United Kingdom, United States and China. China is the, the kind of interesting one because you see that that China originally was Taiwan, which is a small island off mainland China, because those were they we did not the United States recognize mainland China until 1971. We're finally we're kind of forced 
by the rest of the world say, hey, look, open up your eyes. You know, there's this big thing called mainland China. It's really, it does exist. And so we ended up uh, putting them as the uh, the permanent member and booted the Taiwan out. Now, the problem here is that anything that goes through as a binding agreement is the it has to be get the vote of all of the five uh, permanent members. If one of the yep. permanent members vetoes it, it's kapui. Yep. The most amazing thing about this whole Security Council was there a, they were able to back in the 1950 through 53 were able to get through a couple of resolutions as it relates to North Korea. So as a result, the United Nations are going to say, well, did the United Nations get involved in it? Yes, they did. That's a miracle. But they even got yeah, involved. They got they got it through, and were able to. Of course, we know that that resulted in a in a in a ceasefire that's been going on, you know, ever since the, the 1953 or 54. So yeah. the problem here is that, as we take a look at it, is that what's happening right now with respect to the Security Council, they're having just enough trouble talking about Ukraine, let alone yeah. doing anything, because obviously Russia. It's got that veto power. And I mean, once they start talking to Ukraine, it's like they're out the door. They, they you know, and all of a sudden you just, you know, it, it, so yeah. it's a real nothing burger as it relates to that. Yeah. The next one we got is the International Court of Justice. Now, mm. this is sometimes called the World Court. It's the primary judicial organ of the United Nations. Its main function is to adjudicate disputes among states. And so what it will hear is there are hero cases concerning war, human rights, all kinds of stuff. And sure enough, Ukraine has, you know, gone to them and said, look, you need to you need to uh, to come to some grips with respect to the decision as to whether uh, war crimes are being committed by the uh, by Russia. And of course, what they've said is they, they said, look, stop. You are committing. We think you're committing war crimes. Why don't you pause for a while here so we can figure out what's going on and do some investigating? And maybe a couple of years from now, you can re- re- you regroup and do whatever you want to do. Obviously, the problem here is that not only if they do decide that Russia has done something wrong, how do you enforce it? And what what happens is the enforcement. Is that well? Uh, if the country that the, the if the defendant says, well, look, we don't think things are, are we're going to take it to the Security Council. We can actually take the enforcement to the Security Council, and if they say what the heck, they can't agree on it, then then the the, the court decision is meaningless because there'll be nothing done. Well, guess who's on the Security Council? Russia. So as a result, something is even decided in the national court. They it will be appealed by Russia, yeah. and Russia will then go to the Security Council, and it goes nowhere. Um, yep. I think it's so that's that's a problem there. It, the court could consist of 15 judges. You know, you just and you know it, in their nine-year terms, kind of rotating, et cetera, this and that. The biggest arm right now, and what's happened with the United Nations, it's become more of a humanitarian, a non-military thing, whereby it looks upon different issues in the world, whether it be. Uh, population, food, climate, uh, all these different things as countries develop and their needs, uh, whether it be like and, and a bunch of like related organizations like maybe UNICEF, World Bank, Inter- International Monetary Fund, all the a bunch of these agencies that are that are connected. And so you've got this whole operation, which is more um, uh, interested in establishing 
in, in helping uh, create forums for global issues. So yeah. that is one. I was going that's to. That, that's the eco- economic and social justice, uh, social. Yes, council. that's the eco. That that's the yeah. Eco. That, that's the eco uh, Okina- okay. uh, The e- Okinawa. I mean, excuse me, the economic uh, and social <laughs> council. <laughs> yeah. So you know, at this point, what's interesting is that this is the most most forceful thing that's going on, because we know the humanitarian aspect of this war is brutal. I mean, we, they all wars are, but here we are. We got the magnifying glass. We've got, you know, so much access to what's going on. We can see the brutality every day as we watch the news. So what the United Nations has this thing and I uh, they call flash appeal. They've 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 built up a a system whereby if a catastrophe takes place, they have a mechanism by which they can collect bring together the collective forces. Because you can imagine you got anywhere from UNICEF, Red Cross, uh, all these different. Uh, not, not unrelated agencies, plus you've got a bunch of agencies within the United Nations. So there is a <clears throat> there is a plan that was put together to take care of this. Uh, Ukraine has been sitting there on the uh, in the in, in the back burner, ready to be uh, put to use. And boom, boom, boom. They were yeah. they've been able to do that. So you can just imagine you don't want resources being uh, wasted or overlap, et cetera. So I would say that this, uh, and this is all within the eco-social one. Now, one of the things I kind of skipped over was that I skipped over the Secretariat, Secretary General, which yeah. is considered like the president of the United Nations. He is the, the face of the United Nations. Uh, right. And that actually, when you take a look at the position, is more like a the chief administrative office. Of, a, of the United Nations, or maybe right. if it was a company, you call it the, the chief operating officer. He's interested in the, the way the administrative part of it. So he gets involved in terms of, you know, compiling budgets, collecting information, imparting information as it's requested or needed by the various agencies. Yep. And uh, that's – and so he plays Kind of a, a spokesperson. So kind of a spokesperson. He's a spokesperson. Right? And, I mean, we remember when we were young, Dag, uh, Dag Heimerschultz, was the That's head right. of it, and he he was actually the only one who was he was killed in an airplane accident. So, so he basically didn't the only uh, person that was that died or, or was killed or was set, yeah. you know, died during his 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 term in office. And I think they're in for four year terms, and they're usually they go two two times to so go two terms. Yeah. So that's the, the secretary general. So that kind of in a nutshell tells the story and. I guess what we're saying here is that you might want to blame. I mean, let's face it. The United Nations has gotten a lot of bad press in, 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 in throughout its history. It's a very large, uh, cumbersome way of doing things, and that can result in, a, in some corruption. Um, there's other stories, you know, that are told about that, and that's just – in fact, it did, I find it interesting that a lot of international organizations like the U.S. Olymp- the World Olympic Committee has the same problem. To give you an example of, of what I found interesting in terms of the corruption, and they've kind of laid a heavy uh, thing on the United States because they have found that with the Security Council, the 10 members that are part, the non-permanent ones, they find out coincidentally that the aid to those countries that's given by the U.S. increases once they become on the council. Uh-huh. Why? Are they buying mm-hmm. votes? I think they are for what it's worth. So, yeah, that's a good point. Good point, John. You know, I so, guess 
Yeah. Is there any fixing this, John, do you think? I, I think, you know, I, I've taken a look at it. I think the, the I, I think fixing it is is an enormous undertaking, whatever you decide to do, whether you try to tweak it, which I think would be pretty difficult. But I think it all lies in, in setting up some something whereby, uh, you know, you can straighten out this thing with the Security Council. And it might just take a, you know, let's just wipe the slate like we did back in World War II. And I, yeah. I think one one of the things that I didn't the, the thing was set up, you know, back in 1945. That's you know that's a long, long time ago. So yeah, you is. know, 75 plus years. So it 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 yeah. does definitely need to be be taken a look at. Um, it was a I, reaction. I, it was a reaction to a war, right? Know, a big war, you know. So we we live in different times now. The terrorism and smaller scope wars are are the way it goes nowadays, and they're not built for that. They're built as a reaction to World War II. And so, well, what are the, you have to realize that 50 countries about were, when we formed it, and there's 193 members now. The United Nations played a very strong role in what's called the decolonization of the world, whereby countries decided that they were going to split off of their their parents whether it would be england france uh spain netherlands etc had these colonies and so when you take a look at the you know when we were going and learning geography africa had a a, a bunch of you know countries we you know belgian congo you know belgian yep. congo you know that belgian not anymore okay? not anymore so what happened was the united nations was very instrumental and, and, and their peacekeeping part of it uh, with the Security Council of, of being able to, to give some stability to it. Uh, so that, I think, is the, the, the needs are different now. I also believe yeah. that, uh, that w- the conflict is just a small element of, what, uh, of the dangers and threats that, that are upon the world. As we take a look at things like environment and climate, food, population, all these factors now have become as an important force as we not only have to concern ourselves without with about not killing each other, but also the fact that, you know, the environment is basically working in our favor, too. So there's one one last thing. If you hear something that really struck me when I read about the U.N., you know, when did this happen? When did this this irrelevance happen? And you know what? Only 20 years ago, it was not that irrelevant. 20 years ago, Colin Powell gave his famous weapons of mass destruction speech to the U.N., and it was covered by the news. It was considered an important speech, no matter what you think of it. (laughs) I think we all know it was a bogus speech because there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. But that was the last time I can remember that anyone paid much attention and over the last 20 years, it has steadily and quickly declined to being, you know, not much different right. than the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know? in terms of being kind of uh, relevant, not ineffective. Yeah. yeah, ineffective in what they what they do. I also looked at the uh, uh, at the peacekeeping force and found out that that most of the of the, that force is in uh, is in countries in Asia and Africa. So the largest one of them is Bangladesh, just giving them all. So I guess we're employing, so helping, you know, put some yeah, workers on that. Yeah, we're good for the uh, full full employment act is what this might be. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of banquets. 
I think I think we need some groaners now. Hey, yes, groaners. Of course, you know what what's going to be happening in the next couple of days. Monday is going to be the day which we've all got to kind of pay the piper here and pay our uh-huh. taxes. So I thought I'd lay a couple of income tax groaners on us. So here Ooh. we go. Uh, why did I, the IRS audit the chiropractor? Why did the IRS audit the chiropractor? Uh, the adjustments had to be made. <laughs> he owed back taxes. Ooh, more obvious. Yes, yes, of course he did. Back taxes. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Why did Sherlock Holmes pay so little income taxes? So little income taxes. Why did he pay so little elementary? I don't know. They're not quite close. He is the Boy. master of deduction. Oh, of course he is. Oh, that's good. I like that one better. That was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah, I always got to finish up with a strong one. You know that. Thank <laughs> you.